0: All right. Well, good evening. How is everybody? Good. It's always a good time to be in the house of God, right? Every time, every time. So tonight, um, first off, I want to start off by thanking uh, Pastor Heath for giving me this opportunity and the church board and you guys for allowing me to be here and to speak into you guys' lives. Because I believe that God has given me a word Uh For somebody, if it wasn't for you, it was for me, because as a pastor, everybody knows when you go and you prepare a message, God has to speak to you, and God definitely has been speaking to my heart, and I believe and know uh, that He's going to do a mighty work. Uh, Tonight, my opening question, I think, (laughs) my opening question is, what did you expect God to do? What did you expect God to do in your life? Before I get into that, I want to go ahead and I want to tell you a little bit about myself. For those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, I tried to get around to everybody. My name is Christian Davis. Um, I am from Arkansas, Cedarville, Arkansas, with a population of under uh, uh, 2,000, 1,333 people to be exact. So it's a small town, uh, small town school, graduated with a class of 52. um, uh, so it was a very, very small school. Uh, This uh, lady sitting right here, if you haven't met her, is my wife, Brianna. Um, she is from Missouri, so she's okay. We try to, uh, yeah, I told her, you know, I told her I wouldn't hold that against her and I still married her, so, um, but anyway, uh, no, she's, she's a blessing. We don't have any kids yet, but we do have a dog and her name is Bella, so, um, but, uh, so I've always felt the call into ministry uh, since a young age. Growing up, I just I knew there was just something that was stirring within my heart. I knew that I was going to do something. God was going to use me. I just, you know, I grew up in church. I uh, had a great family life. My mom and dad are Roxanne and George Davis, which... Uh, God willing, you'll be able to meet them someday too. Because I'm sure they—they're all the—they wanted to come this weekend, but I was like, hey, you, <laughs> "Let's just wait." <laughs> but, uh, but God willing, you'll—you'll you'll meet them. Um, however, I didn't always honor God with the life that I lived. I didn't always honor Him with the life that I lived. Growing up, it was a lot of, uh, like I said, small town stuff. You know, I grew up in a small town, didn't know very many. I mean. Didn't have the exposure to big city life. Um, I began, uh, you know, and it wasn't until I came into an encounter with God, an encounter with his presence that I began to reevaluate my life and the things that God had called me to. Um, As a teenager, I wasn't the most popular kid in youth group, believe it or not. Um, I always, see, I I feel like I give mixed signals signals whenever I give my testimony because outside of church... I was this happy-go-lucky, like, let's go do it, you know, let's go uh, do whatever. But inside of church, I was this back row, quiet, you know, kind of do my own thing type thing. I I sang on the worship team, but apart from that, it was just, there was not a whole lot there. Um, But you see, whenever I came into an encounter with the presence of God, it wasn't just a one-time encounter. It's been a lifetime of just spending time, ushering myself into His presence and reevaluating every single aspect of my life and growing in Him um, in order to get to where I am today. And I'm still, God is still shaping and molding me. Um, so I feel like, and this is just my heart cry, and, and you know what? I have to say something, because this church has been one of the most welcoming churches that I've ever been to. I can honestly, honestly say that. And the Spirit of God is very evident in this place. Every, I mean, just, you know, uh, I came this morning and, and uh, prayed, prayed in here this morning with Pastor Heath and stuff. And just from the very beginning, it was just, there was just something unique and something special. And, and, and being in the presence of God, there's always that amazing experience. Not an ordinary experience, because nothing is ordinary in the presence of God. I feel like a lot of the times we. I I I know for me I want to get to a place where we don't just like you said earlier with I don't want to I don't want to look back and say look what God did back then I want to look back and say look what God is doing now, and uh, and so with that being said um, what God has really really been speaking to me just and through this past year is that He wants us to become a church that longs for His presence and longs for to have this experience with Him, but not just a one-time experience, a lifetime of experience in His presence. And so, one thing that God has spoken to me uh, throughout this season of life that I've been in is to long for a tear-stained altar. And to be on your face before God and just cry out to Him in His presence. So um, Like I said, as a young Christian, I was asked this question. What do you expect? And I'll tell you a little bit about that. So a uh, pastor, uh, a mentor of mine, um, uh, you probably won't know who he is, but Pastor Doyle Martin, uh, pastor of Bakoshi Assembly God there in Bakoshi, Oklahoma. He, he, he kind of took me under his wing in high school, and uh, we were coming into the church one day, and he stops me before I get into the door, and he looks at me and he says, Christian, He said, what do you expect God to do tonight? And I thought to myself, I'm like, what do you mean? You know, obviously it's the, it's the, you know, typical thing. I want God to change me. I want God to do this. But no, what did you expect coming in here for him to do in your life tonight for you personally? And so before I get into what God has has laid on my heart tonight, what I believe that he's laid on my heart tonight, um, I want to uh, just share a a little bit about my personal testimony. So... Whenever I was um, well, ninth grade, I started. Uh, I became very ill. I I was I was sick all the way through high school. Uh, they diagnosed me with Graves' disease. I don't know if any anybody's familiar with that, but it's basically like a thyroid disorder. And uh, in ninth grade, they found what they um, thought was to be cancer. Ninth grade. I don't remember how old I was. Probably like fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Anyway, so. I they diagnosed me with that. I started radiation treatments. I did radiation treatments. It got rid of it. Gone. Four years later. So now we're now we're fast forwarding to my senior year in high school, which is which was a pivotal point in my life where I really felt like God began just to mold me and shape me into the person that I am today. 17 years old. The beginning of my senior year, I began to get sick again. I got sick, um, but I was I was still taking, I had to take thyroid medicine uh, to help, you know, control that. But I began to get sick. And so I said, okay, this, like I said, this was a point where I started actually expecting God to do stuff in my life. I'm like, okay, God, I'm on fire for you. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. But, um so I scheduled a doctor's appointment, that kind of thing. And the night before I was supposed to go to my doctor's appointment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you need to go tell your parents but not just your parents, some of your friends in high school I was very close with, uh, that tomorrow when you go to the doctor, um, you're going to have a fully functional thyroid and not going to have to take medicine any longer. So I was like, man, that's a really big step. Like, <laughs> you know, if I go and tell someone, I, I don't want to look like a fool. So anyway, make a long story short, I went and told them the next day. That's exactly what the doctor said. The doctor said, and, and that's why I, I I love the testimony that was given this morning because I believe in a God that's a, a God of healing and a God of not just healing your your physical body but healing your spiritual spiritual body your brokenness your and, and that kind of thing but God healed me of that. Fast forward to middle of my senior year, um, I had a major hemorrhage and a stroke, and so this is really when God began just to do a great work in my life. I had a stroke and a hemorrhage, and it was brought on by different surgeries I was having to have um, and different things. But n- to make a long story short, no one really knows what happened. They don't. They they can't explain it. No one can explain it. They just know that I had this brain bleed thing and that I had a stroke and I had to do a lot of physical therapy and stuff. But I know that because of that, and I know that was long, but I know that because of that, and that event that happened in my life, the doctor says that I shouldn't have been, ever been the same. The doctor said I shouldn't walk the same, shouldn't be able to talk the same, shouldn't be able to move the same. I should have died. Should have been dead. But I know, the doctor says that I never should have been the same, but in a sense they were right. I wasn't the same, because that, in that time in my life, I began to let God mold and shape me and intervene in, in my life in a mighty way. And he began to shape and mold me into the man that I am today. So, <laughs> that's that's just a little bit of my testimony, and I'd be more than happy to share it with you after service, the full extent of everything. But as we prepare our hearts tonight, my prayer is that after you leave here, your experience that you have not only on Sundays and Wednesdays, but in your everyday personal walk with God, would cha- you would challenge yourself to have extraordinary experiences and to be out of the ordinary. Amen. To have extraordinary experiences and to be out of the ordinary. So, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you tonight. For your word, God, I ask that as I speak, God, let it be your words and not my words, God. God, and that as people uh, receive your word, God, that lives would be changed and that people would be touched, Lord, and challenged tonight. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your name I pray, Amen. amen. So, the story, or the title for my sermon is simply this. What did you expect? What did you expect God to do in your life? When it comes to asking God for things, I feel like a lot of the times we pray a simple prayer... And we hope that God shows up. When I feel like we should expect him to show up in a mighty way. Like, God is a God of, of, of no boundaries. And, and I feel like we should ask him to show up in a mighty way in our current situations. You see, you know, if we want to see a family member delivered, or, or, or if we want to be healed, or if we want to be financially to be set free, or free from addiction, whatever it might be, we, have to, we can't expect to have doubt and then to be delivered. We need to expect God to do those things that he's promised us to do. So I want to take a moment and I want to look at some examples of people from Scripture, uh, specifically how they expected God to show up. So Genesis 22 is where we're going to be. Genesis 22, 1 through 18, I believe. Uh, That's where we're going to be for basically all the time that we're going to have tonight. Looking over the life of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. I always love reading over this. Uh, because we see where God intervenes in the life of Abraham and Sarah. But tonight I want to focus on Abraham and Sarah's expectancy for the promises that God had given them and how they responded. So Abraham and Sarah's expectancy for the things that God has given them and how they responded or for the promises. So I know this is going to be long, but I'm going to go ahead and read through this real quick. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham called God. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son... "'Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. "'Go and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you.' "'The next morning, Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his servants with him, "'along with his son Isaac, offering, uh, his son Isaac. then he chopped the wood for the burnt offering "'and set out for the place that God had told him about. "'On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up, he saw the place in the distance,' And uh, he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged for the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son Isaac. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me. Even your son, your only son, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that uh, then that place uh the mount or the Lord Yahweh Uriah, which means the Lord will provide to this day. people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by my name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all nations of earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. So, for many years, Abraham expected um, Abraham expected this promised child. My first point being uh, that God promised and Abraham expected in the promise um, Abraham expe- Abraham waited on this promised child. you know if we read back in Genesis seventeen and eighteen and for the sake of time I, I'm not going to read it, but it says this this is where the initial covenant was made with both Abraham and Sarah. And fast forward to chapter 22, God is now saying several years later that he wants Abraham to give up that son that he's waited so long for. And you know, I always wondered why Abraham or why God waited so long to test Abraham. But whenever you go and you look at it, I believe that it was because the longer that Abraham spent with his son, the more he loved him. The more time he spent with him, the more time he. He bonded with him, and that was his son. That was the promised child. That was the one that God had said, this is who I'm going to, this is who I'm going <coughs> to, this is this is the promised child. The more time he spent with him, the more time he loved him, the harder and more difficult that it was going to be for Abraham to give up that child. Now I think, looking back over this and reading this, let me get rid of this. Looking back over this and, and reading it says that God's, God tells him right here, it says that, uh, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. So I feel like God right there is saying, you have another son, but I'm talking about this son. Not 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 the other son, this son, the one that I promised you. And so he's, he's like, in Abraham's mind, I can just see him saying, yeah, yeah, I've got a son. But God is saying, no, I know what you're thinking, but I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him. Over there on the mountain of which I'd showed you, so um, he wants him to give his only son back to him as a sacrifice. You now, uh, throughout Abraham's life, we see where he expected God to provide this child to him, and even though he didn't always have full faith in God, which I'm sure that we can all relate to, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's difficult just to wait on God. But but even though he didn't have full faith in God all the time, which I'm sure, like I said, we can all relate to, God showed him. You know, God showed him and Sarah that they were going to have a child, and they laughed in disbelief. Like, for me, you know, it would be scary to laugh, you know, it's sometimes it would be scary to laugh at God, like, ha, 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 you know, you're going to give me a son, like, you know, now, now you know. But I just, it, it's, it's funny to me that they laughed in disbelief, and then, because they didn't believe that in their old age they would be able to bear a son. Abraham even went as far as to ask if, Ishmael would could be the promised child because he didn't believe he didn't have faith that God was going to that God was going to provide him that child or he was going to be able to bear that son. But even through that, even though Abraham was trying to do things on his own will by having a son, uh, another son outside of that covenant that God had promised him, we see where God holds on to the promises that he made because if God says he's going to do something, he's going to bring it to completion. You know, in the same way, we have to hold on to the promises that God has spoken into our lives. We have to, you know, and I want to talk to the young people out there, you know, the youth. No matter what, um, you know, no matter what anyone has ever said about you, I want you to know that you have a calling and a purpose on your life. And that no one can ever take that away from you. Because God's the only one who gives and takes away that kind of thing you have a purpose and you have a calling each and every one of you and i want you to know that because it's so important you know i used to i used to uh like i said many times i used to sit where you're sitting you know i think i thought that you know god if you really loved me why do i ba- why am i battling with depression or why am i battling so hard against this to give up this thing that you you know if i'm your child then why do i have to do that You know, my salvation experience, which is also part of my testimony, it didn't happen. It didn't happen in a church setting. You know, it happened because of teenagers that wanted to invest into me. And I'm talking to the young people because you young people have more of an impact than you know. On your campus, at school, in youth group, while you're playing basketball with your friends or video games or whatever you do, you have more of an impact than you know. And because, and because my friend my friend wanted to invest into me, all he did was ask me if I wanted to play basketball. And I said yes. And that night I was saved and been able to brought into this relationship. And ever since then, I've never been the same. So just like my friend did for me, you know, you can do for your friends as well as, you know, if you're going through something, trust that God is going to bring you through it he can deliver you from that thing that you've been holding on to. And you know what? Maybe it's for some adults tonight. Maybe you've been waiting on this child or this prom or this this promise that God's given you for your child to come home into the kingdom or for or for um, or for a spouse maybe. You know, we need to expect God to keep those promises that he's given us and continue to to serve and exalt him through that process because it's a process. My prayer for each individual tonight is that you would cling to the things that God has spoken into your life and let him have the complete and total control. My second point tonight is that God provided and Abraham, or I'm sorry, God proved and Abraham expected God to prove himself. So I fully believe that Abraham knew God was trying to test him. I fully believe that Abraham knew, and because of Abraham's prior obedience, he knew that the only way for him to pass is to still be obedient to the things of God. So, um, as we read through chapter 22, we see where there was no hesitation from Abraham. It says the very next morning, it doesn't say that Abraham prayed about it. It doesn't say that, that, that Abraham waited a week or Abraham waited two days. It says the very next morning, Abraham got up and he began to prepare the things that that he was going to take with him, which was his servants, the wood, his son, and the donkey. Now, if we read in verse 4, it says that on, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. So this journey didn't just take one day, it didn't take two days, but it took three whole days. I don't know about you guys, but if it was me, I would have probably already talked myself out of it. Like I'd be walking along on the first day, and I'd be like, "Are we there yet?" I'd be that you know, you've seen that sh- you've seen that movie, "Are We There Yet?" Where they're like, "Are we there yet? Are we there?" That would be me, and especially if if I was Isaac, I'd be like, "Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We there yet? Wait, where's the 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 lamb?" You know, I would ask million and one questions, but we don't see that. We just see that they traveled, they went, and they did. And uh, so I believe that you know Abraham knew that he was going to test him, but the only way he was going to get through that was to be obedient to the things of God. So, this journey, you know, like I said, it didn't take, it took three whole days. Sometimes uh, something really awesome is said, though, in verse 5. You know, Abraham says to his servants to stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will travel, or the boy and I will travel a little farther, and then we will come right back. I love that part because Abraham knew that God was going to prove himself. Because Abraham knew that God wasn't going to promise him something and then take it away from him. Abraham knew that God was going to, God is a God of keeping his promises. And in the same way, we need to speak life over our situation. We need to say, God, you've promised me this, and I'm going to cling to it until the very end. I'm not going to give it up, and I'm going to wait in your presence until you say, in every situation you know he knows that he serves a god that can and will do anything we serve a god that can and will do anything you know in the same way like i said we need to speak life over our current situations we need to have an expectancy and a faith like no other to say god i'm not leaving your presence and i'm going to take it with me wherever i go I'm going to make it a priority to usher myself into your presence on a daily basis by reading your word and not just having an ordinary experience with you, but always striving to have an extraordinary experience because there's no power in ordinary experience. There's no power in ordinary experience. And nothing about being in your presence is ordinary. My challenge for you is to bring yourself into an extraordinary experience with God each and every day. To not make it just a Sunday and a Wednesday thing. To make it an everyday walk where you get up and you, it, it, whether it be getting up early or whether it be just just going to bed late, whatever it is, make it a priority to bring yourself into the presence of God and see change happen not only in your life but others around you. Because whenever you fill yourself up, you begin to overflow into other people. You begin to become that, that, that just that overflow. I would, um, to live a spirit-spilled life, we always think a spirit-filled life, but what about a spirit-spilled life where you spill over into other people? And that's what I challenge you to do is to live that life that God has called you to live, which is to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. My last and my final point And I want to leave you with this, is that God provided and Abraham expected in the provision. We see in verse 5 through 12 where Abraham told his servants that he and the boy would go and worship and then they would come back. And then just about the time that Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, God provided. So I want to encourage you that just when you think that you have no strength left to continue what God has prompted you to do, or the things that God has asked you to do, or to give up, or the promises that He's given you, to just keep pushing because your breakthrough could be right around the corner. Sometimes we come to God with the mindset of Him being too busy. And to me that's just silly because God is never too busy for any one of us. Like God is a God of, like I said, no boundaries. And when we put God in this box of Him being too busy, we we hinder what God wants to do in our lives. And so we need to really cut out that kind of thinking because we always think back, you know, from the smallest prayer or need to the biggest need, God cares. Sometimes God, He doesn't always provide in the ways that we want or we expect, but He always knows what's right. Sometimes we think, well, what's the point in even asking if it's not the what I want, you know, that's our flesh coming out. But I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God doesn't answer prayers the way that we prayed them. Yes. Because if that was the if that was the case, my life would look so different. My life would look so different. God always answers our prayers with a yes, no, or a wait. But you see, His Word also says that His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, whatever you've been. You know, and that thing that you've been praying for, maybe it wasn't His will. Maybe He he has better things for you and more for you than what you could ever even expect or imagine. Tonight, we must come to the throne room of God in expectancy that He's going to provide that thing and that promise that we've been clinging to. The promise that He has given us. And yeah, it may not be exactly how or what we expected, but we have to remember that Whatever God brings us to, he's going to bring us through. So whatever you've been praying for tonight, I need you just to listen to me for just a second. And don't just say, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Oh, it's just a financial issue. Or it's not really that big of a deal, you know, uh, just having this little health issue. No, it is a big deal to God. Like, every single thing, he knows everything about us. Every hair that's on our head, every part of our being, God knows us. And he cares. And so whatever you've been praying for, I just, I encourage you to let God begin to work and intervene in your current situations. And you'll come to find out that God can and will be faithful in all circumstances. So um, tonight I want to leave you with this challenge. That each day you would walk in expectancy of the things that God has called you to or the promises that he's given you and let him begin and to work in your everyday life you know, especially young, especially young people, you have your whole life to live. You guys are the generation that's coming up that's going to take this, take this from us and you guys are going to be the ones to be able to teach and to preach and to spread the good news when we're all gone. So I encourage you to walk in expectancy, to believe and know that God has a calling and a purpose for your life. And just like my friend did for me, you can do for your friends on your campus, in your school. I know it's summertime right now, but as you just hang out with your friends or whatever it is, let God use you. You are never too young to let God use you in a mighty way. And I pray that God uses each and every one of you in a mighty way starting tonight.